everybody, and welcome to the Resilient Leadership Podcast, where everything we talk about is aimed at helping you to lead with a greater sense of calm, clarity, and conviction, even in the midst of disruptive change. My name is Bridget Tyre, and as always, I'm joined by the wonderful Irvin Nugent. And Irvin, you have been a road warrior yet again, so say hello to folks and tell them a little bit about your recent adventure. Yeah. Hi, everyone. I am just coming off an amazing trip to Dubai. I had some work over there with two different groups of people, which went really well. I endured the beautiful summer in Dubai in August, which reached 127 uh, with humidity as well. But the air conditioning, thankfully, is plentiful. Not only were the two groups wonderful, but I also got a, a chance to see some of the sites. I, there's an amazing museum called the Museum of Tomorrow there, which is just a spectacular architecture. So I got lost in there in a good way. And uh, it was wonderful. I spent a few hours and it was very provocative in places. And it just got you thinking about the future. So, And there was this amazing meditation room in there mm-hmm. of sound and light and and it was very relaxing i almost fell asleep <laughs> but it was so relaxing i've had a great time so i'm i'm happy to be back in the dc area for a cool 90s today mm-hmm. that is like that's like fall weather to you i know totally <laughs> <laughs> i'll never complain again <laughs> well, welcome back Well, thank you so much. So, well, Bridget, why don't you share with our listeners a little more about our topic today? Yeah, so this is a good one. Um, Not that they aren't all good, but this one is something that I know you and I have talked about so many times in our coaching sessions. It's about managing up. Really, what we're going to be focusing on is, you know, how do we ensure that one of the most important relationship systems we have at work works for us? And that's the relationship with our boss or our immediate manager, or for that matter, anybody above us in the organizational chart, right? You know, my experience uh, has been that this relationship has a great deal to do with not only our success, not only our career mobility, but also just our well-being. Because mm-hmm. I think, is there anything more stressful than being completely out of step with your own manager? I think that's pretty hard. And it reminds me of somebody that I worked with a few years ago who was really not in sync with with his manager or the rest of his C-suite in the organization. And, And it was pretty frustrating. And I think what happened is that frustration led him to make some of the common mistakes that we're going to talk about. They're easy to do. But before we get into that, Irvin, I always like to ask you about your own experience as a leader. And like, I don't know, did you find managing up challenging, easy, or somewhere in between? Mm, You know, it's a great question. I think there was a few phases. I think one of the things initially that I found very difficult about managing up was really being confident in that level of people. Mm. You know, I I was a new leader. And while I had a great warmth with people I was supervising, I created a great dynamic. I found at times being at a board meeting very intimidating. Mm. And I found I was a little bit mousy and I didn't speak up. And I, I really had to come into my own, especially at that level. So I think one of the things, and I've actually 
in coaching others encountered this as well of people just really being almost having a different personality and being a much less assertive and, and direct and, and a little quiet and meek, uh, which is not surprising. And I think the other area for me that was a real learning lesson was uh, communication. That communication upwards is a little bit different and that at times it has to be more direct. And at times, you know, I was going into these big explanations and I could just see that people were like, I don't want the explanations, just get to the point, you know? So I had to change even that, how I communicated. And really, I think we'll get into this in the episode is, you know, how, how do you communicate? And it is different. Mm -hmm. So not to assume that communication is always the same. Oh yeah, that I totally relate to. And your first response about just learning to feel more confident at that level. You know, whatever that level is, it's a level above you. Yes. So so very, very interesting. Yeah. Okay. So maybe then a good place to start is really with what are some of those mistakes, those traps that Mm. we all can fall into? Because, you know, let's think about it. When you go to school, there's not a class that I'm aware of that everybody gets on managing up. No. You know, I mean, maybe if you go to business school, they talk a little bit about it, but eh, that's not the real world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so let's share with our listeners some of these traps. And I would invite you, the listener, to to make this really practical for you to maybe actually think about who is the person upwards that you most want to improve your relationship with. And, and perhaps it very well is your boss, but it could be your boss's boss or it could be your boss's peer, right? And have that person in mind while we talk about both the mistakes and the strategies. Okay, so Irvin... I'm going to start with a couple of strategies and then I want you to share what you've noticed. But the first thing that I think we easily do is we get into a habit of repeatedly venting about our boss Mm -hmm. to others, particularly if the relationship is strained. And, you know, we've talked about this in other episodes. It's called a triangle. (laughs) You know, when you bring somebody else into a relationship conflict and you talk to them about it. What I think can happen is that with our boss, since we don't always have other people to talk to, I mean, we don't have, we're not talking to our boss, right? So we want to offload the anxiety. So who do we vent to? Could be our spouse, could become an every night occasion. (laughs) It could be a peer that you can get into what, what one of my colleagues, Jim Burns calls a velvet rut, where Mm. it feels good in the moment to get that anxiety off your chest, kind of cozy, but it, it forms a rut because oftentimes the venting doesn't really lead to new discoveries about what to do to improve the relationship or to influence more effectively. Right. For that, you need either a coach or you need a resource who can help you think differently. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, so that's one thing. So be, be on the lookout for that tendency because we all do it. And then I think the other mistake I've seen clients make is really expecting our boss to change and trying to change him or her, right? I mean, isn't this what we do with our spouses <laughs> and, really? and yeah. anybody yeah. else where we kind of want to will them to be different? Yeah. And so we we might try a little manipulation, we might try a little dropping hints, we might I mean who knows what we try, but we all know that in the day willing others to change doesn't work and we have to come back painfully and often 
to the fact that focusing on our own functioning and our own half of the equation is what will get us there, right? Yep. Okay, one last mistake, and then I want to hear what you think, Irvin. And that is, if you get frustrated and things aren't working and you feel like you've tried different things, you might kind of feel a little resigned and you might find yourself distancing yourself from Mm. that manager. Now, what does that mean? It could mean emotionally, you kind of shut down in meetings. It could mean that you just don't talk to them as much. You avoid them. Again, understandable because we're trying to manage our anxiety and our frustration, our disappointment. And yet it works against us because as we have said many times on this podcast, you cannot influence a system to which you are not connected. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. that to get us started, and Irvin, I'm wondering, one, what do you think of those? Have you seen them? And two, do you have anything to add in terms of mistakes you've seen? So no, it's really interesting. I'm actually in the midst of a coaching engagement, and it's been a longer one, but initially, actually, one of the presenting things was this managing up problem for them. And it, it kind of goes into the second one about wanting to change your boss because what was happening was they were experiencing the boss as being rather sharp and blunt and they were personalizing this and it was really breaking down the relationship. It was causing a barrier. The the coaching call was like, why can't they be like, like, why can't they be softer? Don't they understand? I mean, this is how you're supposed to be, to manage. Let me know I manage people you know, I, I'm there to open and listen. It's just when I go, it's just, I'll say something and I just feel that they're being blunt and direct. And so it took a lot to really just, you know, almost like I was a grieve over this. You're not going to get this. This is, this is their personality. They're not being overly rude. It's just really a style and it just tends to be a little edgy and blunt and you're not doing anything wrong. And you just have to give that up and then maybe adapt a little bit into how to manage. And, and it was it was a real struggle. And it was really potentially leading to a communication breakdown. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. It's like wishing and wanting somebody to change doesn't make it so. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. And it's not going to happen. Yeah. Hmm. So, you know, there's one other thing I'm thinking that perhaps you might want to throw in the ring here. And that would be, and I do this all the time, assuming that no news is in fact good news. And the problem with that is that that can really work against us because we we get suckered into the thinking that the boss is, is just happy about everything, our behaviors, our performance. We've heard nothing, so everything must be good. What if you have a boss who's conflict avoidant? I had one early in my career. And so what happens is we we don't bring these important issues up. They handle situations in certain ways. They may put off some important conversations, especially if it makes them feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, what happens? Performance time comes around and all of a sudden you're reading things and then you're caught off guard thinking, why didn't I hear about this earlier on? And this happens all the time. I think we just have to be aware that not hearing any news isn't necessarily good news. Uh, have you seen that before, uh, Bridget? Oh my gosh. Yes. And I think it used to mean something. I think it's an older management style, right? Where Mm, you just sort of give people their jobs and give them their resources and leave them alone, you know? And there's nothing wrong with that, except that usually people need feedback (laughs) a lot more, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's a big assumption. I see it all the time. And then people are just so, oh my gosh, thrown off center 
when yeah, it yeah. turns out that no news was didn't mean good news, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, very good. And I think you know another part of this reality is that we've talked about this as well many many episodes, and that is just the reality of how busy people are and the reality of change. And so sometimes managers may want to say something to you, and then four things come up before they're able to do that. And then three weeks later, it's too late. So, you know, don't assume, you know, it could be just the busyness has gotten in the way and they haven't had a chance to even share with you something they'd wanted to say. Yeah, that's such a good point. I mean, gosh, people are so challenged these days and live in such a distracted world. For sure, that could be a key reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So these are all the things that don't work. Let's move on now and maybe point out what are some strategies that can really help us have a much more productive and positive relationship with our boss? Well, I'm going to start with what I think, Irvin, is the most fundamental strategy, because without this, none of the other ones work. And that is Mm -hmm. take responsibility for the quality Mm -hmm. of your relationship with your manager. Own it. Own it. It is so tempting to lay it at their feet. After all, they're your manager. They're supposed to manage you. (laughs) And the truth of the matter is, if we want a great relationship or if we want a better relationship, we have to see that as part of our job. And in fact, it is. When you take a job in an organization, typically you have to manage in three directions, upwards with your boss, sideways with your peers, downwards with any employees that you may supervise. That is part of your job. Uh, And sometimes we wish it weren't so. So that's number one. Number two, I think I would say, you kind of hinted at this, is that adjust and adapt to your manager's communication preferences, right? You don't have to twist yourself into being a different person, but you certainly can make some adjustments to what they do, what they prefer, how things work for them. Okay, here's a story. When I was first out of school, I was about a year into my first corporate job and my favorite manager who hired me left and she left me with a really difficult manager. And I was like, Oh no, you know, (laughs) and I was in the world of training and development and he was a finance guy. I may have mentioned this before, Mm. but anyways, I'm just, we don't speak Mm. the same language. Okay. Mm. And so Mm. here's what would happen. I go into his office to tell him something or ask him something. He'd be at his desk. I can still see it to this day. And, you know, this is decades ago. And he'd have a pen in hand. He'd be writing and he would not look up at me. And I would say, hey, Bob. And before I could say anything, he would say 10 words or less like a telegram. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd be like, "Uh, uh, uh, you know, okay, Mm. I'm not kidding. It's what he said every time I went in there until I became so good at bottom lining it. He didn't need to remind me anymore. I'm indebted to him to this day because I feel like he taught me that essential skill. Mm -hmm. All right. So how does your manager prefer to be communicated with? Do they like texts? Do they like Slack? Do they like emails? Do they want you to pick up the phone? Do they want a lot of explanation or hardly any at all? How do they like to be kept in the loop? Often. You know, do you need to update them frequently or do they want you to leave them alone unless the thing catches on fire? So whatever the answers are to that, you adjust as opposed to expecting them to judge. So let me just pause there for a minute, Irvin. I have one other thought to share, but do those two things resonate with you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Especially that second one. You know, 
what highlighted that for me was actually a person I was supervising who managed up so well. They were a new COO. They came to me and they actually said this. They said to me, if I was to communicate with you, what is your preference? Mm-hmm. And we had a great, and no one had ever asked me that before. Mm-hmm. And it actually made me think as well, you know, sometimes we assume that people always know. And it's, it's really a reflective exercise with how do I want to be communicated with? You know, and for me, you know, if you send me a massive email, it just gives me stress. I can't deal with large emails because writing long emails for me takes a lot of time. I much prefer a little verbal summary. And then I was able to say that to them. I said, yeah. They then followed up that conversation about three months later. And they said, can I have another conversation? Is the communication working well? Man. I just thought they modeled it so well. For me, you know, as I moved on, that became a model as well. And it's just... It's that clarity out there that really helps in that relationship. Okay, so this was somebody who reported to you. Did I get that correct? Correct. Wow. Yes. They were they were managing up so well. Yeah. Mm, that is really impressive. Yeah. Okay, so let me share one other and then Irvin, maybe you have a couple of things to add to this. And this is a tricky one, but it's about communicating a need for change without alienating your audience without alienating your boss. So we already said you can't change your boss, but that doesn't mean you should never make suggestions about change, whether it's in processes or in the relationship itself, right? You just have to be strategic and you have to be thoughtful about it. So an example, somebody that I was working with said, and and I wasn't coaching her, she was in a team. So, and she, she shared this example, which I thought was so good, which was that, the team manager had set an 8 a.m. Monday morning status check-in meeting with the team and everybody hated it. Why? Mm. Because who wants to start Monday morning with an 8 a.m. call? Because it means Sunday night you have to work to get ready, right? Absolutely. People resented it. People uh, moaned about it to one another. But did anybody bring it up to the boss? (laughs) Not for a while until one brave soul. Mm said, you know, I think there's enough trust here that I might ask if I can make a suggestion. So she did. She said, would you be open to a suggestion about our meeting schedule? And her boss said, yes. And then she said, what if we moved the meeting or would you be open to moving the meeting to Monday afternoon or Tuesday morning? And here's why. I think, you know, you said you're not sensing the level of engagement and preparedness you want. And I think part of the reason may be where it is on the calendar. Yeah. Anyway, she made the change, but it was all in how she did it, the timing and so forth. Right. So don't you think that's a pretty nuanced skill? Absolutely. Yes. And it's very subtle, but so incredibly important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 When I think about this, there's a few things that come to mind. One is a little nuance from, from what we've been saying before, but that is managing expectations. Well, I think at times, and we've talked about this before, there, sometimes there are role confusions. So I think the greater clarity we have in what is our boss's expectation of what we do, what is our role, and how should we exercise that role? Hmm. And really, you know, that needs a conversation. Yeah. And if you haven't had that conversation, it's important. And, you know, I, I work now with a few organizations. There's one organization, it comes to mind, it is, it, it almost gives, it creates dizziness at how rapidly they are changing. They are growing 
these expectation conversations are not one and done. Yeah. They need to happen a few times. And so, you know, I remember a few clients from this organization were telling me it's like every six months, it's like a new organization. Yeah. And that requires a little more conversation around now, what's my role? Things have changed. Is there anything in the expectation that's changed? Because that can be really helpful as well. So just, you know, so it's these conversations sometimes are not one and done conversations as the organization grows or maybe it changes in a certain way. We also have to have another conversation just to to build in the change that's happened. Oh, that is a really important point. Yeah. What else? Yeah. I also think that it's important not to be the person that's always bringing only problems to the boss. And that is, have we been proactive and thought out some solutions? I think at times that can be the greatest gift we offer is, you know, having a conversation and saying, look, this, I've encountered this problem or this problem has come. However, I've done some thinking and maybe here's two options we could choose or here's an option we should try. Because what happens, of course, is it's moving the conversation along. And I think the uh, bosses love that. They love that when, whenever these issues that come up have the beginnings of a solution and the beginnings of those uh, conversations. The final thing, of course, is feedback and make it easy for your boss to give you feedback. We talked earlier about sometimes, you know, it's busyness or, or maybe it's conflict aversion or whatever, and, and the feedback doesn't happen. And, you know, very often we just have to make it easy. So, so ask, you know, have the feedback conversation, mm -hmm. you know, how would you like to give feedback? Can we create maybe a few minutes every now and again to, to give me feedback? Maybe it's at the end of a project. Would you like to give me feedback or whatever? Yeah. And then also be aware of perhaps your tendency to overseek feedback. Sometimes when we are very anxious, one of the soothing can be like hearing the words, you're doing a great job. Yeah. You're doing a great job. And it's like a little massage. You're doing a great job. So just be aware as well that, that are you overseeking some feedback to compensate for this anxiety that you're feeling? Yeah. And then in which case your boss might distance from you, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and absolutely. then you become yeah. even more like an eager, you know, puppy going, wait, wait, Absolutely. It's this vicious circle that keeps going. Totally. Yeah. You know, that thing about being proactive with solutions. I mean, one thing I want to say about that is I've, occasionally I've had people say to me, well, what if I don't have any solutions? Like I can see the problem, but I'm missing a whole perspective on it. Do I not mm. go to my boss because I'm just laying a problem, mm. you know, at her feet? Mm. And I say, no, I mean, go to your boss, but say, be transparent. I've been really trying to think about a way to solve for this, but I recognize that you have a bird's eye view of things where I have maybe a worm's eye view, right? And they'll still appreciate that because it's still proactive. Yeah. Love that. Mm -hmm. Love that. So Bridget, we always try to end with a core practice. Have you anything in mind for managing up in a core practice? I do. We're going to use a metaphor for this, and it's about conducting an archaeological dig, so to speak, on your boss or anybody else in the upward domain that you want to influence, right? And so just like an archaeologist gets really curious and goes into an environment that was inhabited by people and, and is really wanting to understand this community, understand these individuals, right? They don't go yeah. in judging them. They go in curious and open. So we have to bring a curious mindset first and foremost. And that can be hard if we do have friction there, but it's essential. Mm -hmm. And so 
we're going to suggest five questions for this archaeological dig and invite you to think about it. But also, if you really want to get somewhere with this, I think you have to like sit down with a cup of coffee or maybe a drink and a pen and write some <laughs> notes down about this. But here are here are the questions to excavate new knowledge about your boss. Right. Number one, mm. what is your boss's biggest pet peeve? Maybe you know it. Maybe you don't. Maybe other people know it, but they got one and they got one that really ticks them off. What do they truly care about most, really deeply, personally and professionally? What are their vulnerabilities and strengths? The strengths might be harder to see if you're having friction. The vulnerabilities might be easier. Question number four, what wakes them up at 3 a.m.? Because whatever is waking them up is their key source of stress and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And of course, the answer to that might change yeah. over time. So it's, it's good to ask more than once. And lastly, what is their biggest aspiration? Mm. Now, you know, by aspiration, I mean their dream, their hope, their, their, the thing that they are really seeking most whether that be for the organization or for themselves or their family or what have you. What do you think of those questions, Irvin? Oh, they are so, such amazing questions. I mean, you talk about questions that will help you be thoughtful and really think about how you're operating and how another person's operating. I think they really get to the core of what we need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really powerful. Yeah. And, you know, the key to this, as you said, These are not one and done reflections. So we invite our listeners to do this archaeological dig. Use the insights that might bubble up to tweak and adapt your side of the relationship and do it again in six months or four months. See where you are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bridget, this has been an amazing conversation, really thoughtful. It's an issue that keeps coming up time and time again. And uh, I just love kind of where it's gone and and pointing out maybe some of the things we do wrong and then some of the ways to really manage this conversation. And I just love that archaeological dig. What what powerful five questions. You know what, Irvin? Hanging around you is making me more creative. Oh, there you go. Well, that's a good thing. Thank you. (laughs) Love it. Listeners, it's been great having you. Last week, we got a great shout out on LinkedIn. And I just want to say yay to uh, Dr. Lindsay Judah, who is listening to our podcast as she walks in the morning. She just had a little LinkedIn post to share with others. So I really just encourage you that if you're enjoying the podcast, share the wealth and and share it with people who may benefit from some of the insights of the topics that we're sharing and spread the word to others. Thank you for listening today. Bridget, always a delight and a pleasure to be with you. My pleasure as always, Irvin, and looking forward to the next conversation. Wonderful. Well, we'll see you around. Bye, folks. Bye now. Bye now.